Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ has a powerful message called Watch Your Step. We don't want to be caught in Satan's trap of being offended, do we? We need to watch our steps and make good choices to avoid that deadly trap. We hope you enjoy this message. No, I'm excited about this word. It's kind of a word that's going to maybe step on toes and maybe maybe wake us up. And how many of you know that the word of God is used for correcting, rebuking, training, and teaching, encouraging, edifying, and directing? How many know that's true, right? And how many ever heard this term before that sometimes we have to be tough-skinned? And man, you have to be tough-skinned. And so today I want to talk to you about watching your step. How do you remember the day when you were little? Let's go back and put on our imagination cap. I know 59 years ago that I had to put on my cap of being 59 years old or younger. And I remember when I first was younger, and I can remember the day when I was so excited about the opportunity to ride a bike. I moved up from the tricycle, from the Hot Wheel three-wheeler. How many of you ever had those Hot Wheel three-wheelers, right, with the plastic tires, and you spin them so much that finally you wear the tire off? Well, I moved up, and I got advanced, and I got finally now got the opportunity to ride a bike. Man, I thought I was big and bad. How many of you remember that day, right? You thought you were cool. You thought you were bad. And then I was really excited when my mom let me now drive my bike around the block. And she says, CJ, I know that it takes you about five minutes to ride your bike around the block. So I'm going to time you. I'm going to let you ride your bike around the block, but I'm going to time you. And if you're not back somewhere in five minutes, I'm going to come and get you, all right? So she was giving me a little freedom. But I always had that sense of security of knowing that my mom was there, my dad was there. But then I graduated, and I couldn't wait to go to school. I mean, remember the day I couldn't go to school. I had five sisters that were before me. And so what happened was they all went to school, and I was left home alone before I had my little brother. So all my five sisters, Andy, would go to school, and I'd be empty nester and I'd be home alone and they used to dress me up and call me Susie and put all these girl clothes on me so I was missing that part right where's all my sisters and man I'm not Susie anymore and I I missed that so I was looking forward to going to school and so finally I got to go to school and I got to be instructed by the teachers and all that kind of stuff then I couldn't wait then from going to school to get in my driver's license how many remember the day when you got your driver's license right man I remember it was so cool getting your driver's license I remember I got my first car my Chrysler ambassador and I, I got my first car and I was all excited about that I got my license while I got freedom and so on and so forth I was driving to school but I only go two blocks before school and then I parked my car two blocks away from school and walked the rest because I was embarrassed by the car that I had. And so, but then, once I graduated from school, I couldn't wait to go to college. How many remember the different phases of life? You couldn't wait to go to college. And then, well, I went to North Central Bible College, which now it's called North Central University. And if you ever gone to North Central University, it's like a habit trail. And the habit trail is like a hamster trail. You, you can go from one thing, and you go through a tube, and you can go into another compartment. You can go to another compartment. Well, North Central is like that. You never have to go outside if you don't want to. So you can be so confined, and you can be in the building and never have to go outside. You can go from one skyway to the other skyway to the next to the next, and they all connect to different buildings. But also what I realized that I had the safety of the instructors, the instructors that they would tell me what to do, they had my syllabus, and I would read my syllabus is what I have to prepare for, all the tests that I have to do, and so on and so forth. So in all those things and different phases of my life, wanting to ride my bike to now graduating from college, I realized one thing, that when I was riding my bike to go into college, I was always under the safety net of those directing my life. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? Of those directing my life, you as parents understand what I'm talking about. Your kids are junior high, and you have to help them, and they get into high school, and you have to help them. But I was always under the safety net of somebody directing my life and making decisions for me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They would help me get up in the morning. They would help me, man, get my clothes out, my mom when I was younger. And I always had my decisions made. But then the moment when I graduated, I wasn't in the cocoon of North Central University. I wasn't in the cocoon of the syllabus or my instructors or my teachers or my basketball coach. Now guess what happened? It was all put on me. That everything from graduating from college and going forward meant that I, wah, had to make the decisions. That I didn't have anyone making the decisions for me, but now I, as a man, I'm married, have two kids now, had to now make my decisions. And the decisions that I made were not only for me, but they also were for the benefit of my wife and my two sons at the time. So every decision I made, I had a choice to make good decisions, whether good or bad. And the decisions that I made in life could affect her for the good or for the bad. Could affect my kids for the good or for the bad. So I realized that now, God, what do I do now? You know, they say that when they're in college, that a college before they graduate, a student before they graduate from college, they say that the student from college changes its major. Check this out. That the student before they graduate will change their major five times. Five times they will change their major. And the reason why is because young people are trying to figure out life and what life is all about. So they're always changing their major. I want to maybe do this. No, I want to maybe do that. I maybe want to do this. And so they're always trying to figure out life. And that was me. Now life is before me, and I have to make a decision. Yes, my parents were there. My mom and dad loved me. Man, my mom and dad helped me out through some of the times that I went through in life. Man, they're still there. They're gone down with the Lord. But they were there until they passed, and they helped me. But they never made the decisions for me now. It is the same way with God, that the Lord, he lays out the table before you. And I want you to get this. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Rachel, you accept him, and you made that decision to accept him into your heart. How many of you remember that day when you accepted the Lord into your heart? I know I do. I, I remember that. Man, I'll never forget. But I made that decision. But from that decision, now I have a choice. Am I going to follow him? Am I going to go after him with all my heart? Or am I going to put myself in park now and just be in neutral and go wherever the wind blows? I had a decision to make. Now the Lord is still here, and he'll never leave me nor forsake me, but he lays out decisions. And every day of our lives, I want you to get this, every day of your life, you have to make decisions. You made a decision this morning about what you're going to eat before for breakfast. You made a decision about what you're going to wear. You're going to make a decision already what you're going to do after church. Some of you are going to go watch the Vikings. Some of you are going to go watch the review of the Packers game that we won Thursday night, right? But you're going to make a decision, right? And God leaves a decision for us every day. So if you have your sermon notes, I want you to see the choices God gives us. The choices God gives us. The first thing that God gave us every day, we have a choice. Number one, we have a choose to rejoice each day. That God gives us the choice to rejoice every day. God has given us, now get this, God has given us 86,400 seconds each day. 
86,400 seconds each day. What will you do with them? Rejoice. I pray that is your decision. So what you do with that is up to you. God says in Psalms, he says, Psalms 118, verse 24, he said, the Lord has done this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad in it. So God, now I want you to get this, God lays out before you the opportunity to do what? Either make a decision to rejoice or to be mad, happy, and upset. Whatever you choose to do. You see what he did? He didn't force you. He didn't twist your arm, but he laid it out for you. And he's given you the choice. I choose this day to rejoice. Amen? Somebody say amen. I choose to rejoice. I always say this. The day today is a choice I rejoice. I choose this day to rejoice. You set the tone. You set the atmosphere for your day. If you get up mad, happy, or sad, that's up to you. I remember one time, man, I got out of bed, and, man, I just woke up, and I got out of bed, and I was already complaining as soon as my feet hit the ground. True story. As soon as my, my feet hit the ground, I was complaining. I wasn't looking forward to the day. Man, I just felt like a stinky day, just a bad attitude. You know what I had to do? I had to check myself, and man, you know what I did? I got back in bed, crawled over my wife, and got out the other side. I said, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I had to make a choice to rejoice. True story. My wife is sleeping. She's like, what are you doing? She thought I was putting a move on her. I said, no, not now. Hey. <laughs> but you have to choose to rejoice. Here's another choice. Cast your cares on him. Each day, you're going to be faced with a decision to cast your cares on him. You see, listen, God says, I give you an avenue, I give you an opportunity to cast your cares on me. But some of you rather be a swayback donkey and get swayed back from the weights and the pressures of life rather than to cast them on the Lord. You see, casting means letting go out of sight, out of mind. That God, I cast them on you, I cast my cares, my worries, my frets, my concerns in my life, I choose to do that. So God gives you the opportunity but now let me ask you, are you taking that opportunity? Are you making that your decision? Or are you going to carry them? How can God help you if you don't allow him? And the way you allow him to help you is by making that decision, God, I can't carry these anymore. Isn't that exactly what Paul said? Lord, in my weakness, in other words, he made a decision. God, in my weakness, Lord, you're made strong. So what Paul was saying, God, I can't deal with this. I can't handle this. These pressures are too great. So, God, I cast them at your feet. That's why it said in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, it talks about casting your cares upon him because what? He cares for you. God cares for you. Doesn't he call you his sons and his daughters? Doesn't he call you his son and his daughter? And because he calls you his son and his daughter. And if you would hear your son or your daughter cry or they're in need, what is the parent's role? You do everything you can to help for your son or your daughter. Man, you take a second job if they need to play sports and you can't afford it, but you want them to play. You take a second job to be able to make them play sports. Man, you do whatever you can to provide for your son or your daughter. Doesn't Jesus say that he's our Abba Father? He's your Papa. 
papa daddy. And if he's your papa daddy, guess what he's waiting for? He's waiting to hear the cries of the righteous. And he said, I'll never, what, never let the righteous be forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. But he has to hear your cry that, God, I cast my cares, my worries, my concern at your feet. The other thing is that you have to make a decision about that I trust him. Trust God. Do you trust God each day? Do you trust him each day? Trusting means, listen, trusting means letting him drive, letting him drive while you enjoy the ride. Stop being a backseat driver and trying to tell God what to do when God already says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, and plans to give you hope for your future. He says that in Jeremiah 29, 11. But what God says, listen, so many times you want to interrupt what God has for your life because you have a lack of trust. And the reason why you may have a lack of trust with God, maybe you're taking in your earthly relationships by your experiences that you had here on planet Earth. Maybe you had a bad relationship with a spouse. Maybe you had a bad relationship with a friend. Maybe you had a bad relationship with your boss. Maybe you had a bad relationship with a coworker. And so because you had a bad relationship and it ended up wrong, what happens is you have a mistrusting attitude that I'm not going to trust because that's happened to me me and he did this and she did that. So why would you think God would be any different? So what you do is you only let God in that arm's length. You don't trust him wholeheartedly. And so therefore you can't enjoy the ride because you're trying to drive instead of enjoy the ride. And so what he says in Proverbs 5, 3, verse 5 and 6, he says these words, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your heart, with some of your things. It's easy to trust God. Now, get this, folks. It's easy to trust God with the little things. It's easy to trust God in things that, man, you can control, that you can give to God. But God doesn't want just the easy things. He wants all of it. Just let him drive. Do you trust him enough to believe? You see, that's a decision that you have to make every day. You know, another one is this, to love one another. Now, you mean to tell me, I have to make a decision that I have to love my coworker. Man, he or she, all they want to do is gossip and talk and say these things and blah, blah, blah. You, you're telling me that I have to make a decision to love them? Well, what does it say in Matthew 19, 19? It says this, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, that's pretty hard. Loving my neighbor? As myself, God, you don't understand what they done or she done or they he's doing. You don't understand, but God said, "Listen, turn the other cheek." As you said up there, loving means let, you're letting go of any stones, any stones from your past or your present. So what happens a lot of times? We're holding on to that stone. You're holding on to that stone. And, man, you're, you're supposed to love. And what did Jesus say to those that are coming against that one? He said, he without sin, let him cast the first stone. And so many times what happens is you're holding on to the stone, and you have to make a choice to turn that stone and let go of it. So every day you're going to be faced with decisions. You're going to be faced with a decision. So in Proverbs 14, verse 15, watch what Solomon says. He said, the simple believe anything. And in other words, the simple believe anything. They go with the flow, whatever is easy, the path of least resistance. Man, I'm going to just go this way. Okay, the wind's blowing this way. And we go wherever the wind blows. 
wherever it goes. We just do. So if I feel good, I'll go this way. If I don't, I'll do this. If I, but the prudent gives thoughts to their steps. In other words, they think it out before they react. They think before they speak. How many ever heard this before? Open mouth and insert foot. Because you spoke maybe before you thought. And you said things you shouldn't have said before you thought it out. And how many of you know you can ask forgiveness all you want, but the words that you speak, man, are always going to be embedded in that person that you're speaking them to. And it's hard for them to let them go. Even though maybe you just flew off the handle and you just used those words cheapenly, it still cut them to pieces. And we still want to, man, just move on. I ask you to forgive me. But it's hard for them because it emotionally scarred them. But the prudent give thought to their steps. Now watch this. What does that mean? A wise man gives thoughts to his steps or decisions or choices. He makes them with God's help. In other words, he thinks it through. And I think it through before I act. I make my decision not how I feel, but I think it through. A simple man is one who goes with the flow. Whatever feels good, do it. And determines the steps, now watch this, according to how he feels. According to how he feels. And a lot of times if we base relationships, friendships, all the time by goosebumps and, and all these emotional feelings and mushy feelings, guess what? You're not going to experience them every day. I wish that was real. I wish that was for real. But you're not going to feel that every day. You don't build your relationships on feel-good emotions because you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. You build your relationships that I trust them, I love them, and they're my friend or my, my wife or my spouse spouse or my kids or my son and my daughter I love them no matter what they do or what they've done but look at this he determines the threats but he feels good and what others are saying or doing I don't build my decisions on what other people are always saying a lot of times we build our decisions or our directions of life about what other people are always saying about us. When I first became into ministry, you know, you heard me say, and this is a true story, uh, I had a shoebox full of scholarship offers to play basketball. And I'll never forget, I had all these offers to play basketball. But when I took my sister-in-law to North Central, man, God changed my outlook. He changed my outlook, and he changed my outlook from going to play basketball at a college on a scholarship to giving them up and going now to North Central. So I'll never forget, I came back, I talked to Larry Levy, which many of you know, and I said, Larry, I said, God is doing this. And he looked at me and he said, CJ, man, God is calling you to the ministry. And I'm like, huh? I don't even know who Jesus is, yet alone Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jay. What? But I knew something was really happening to me, Right? So guess what? If I were to listen to the words, and I know they meant well, I know that my mom meant well, I knew I understood my mom. My mom was only looking out for me because of my BC days and my past. So I went to my mom, and I said, Mom, I said, man, Mom, I feel God is calling me to the ministry. And my mom, knowing my past, she said, CJ, I don't think so. 
Now, I had a decision. Either I could listen to that or move on. And I chose, obviously, to go forward into doing what I'm doing today. But a lot of times, you're going to have the peanut gallery speaking into your ears. Now, it's your decision to determine the steps you're going to take. Are they right or are they wrong? You see, listen, in Matthew 13, verse 54 through 58, I love this story, and i got to move quickly. I love this story about Jesus. How many of you know that a prophet is never honored in his hometown? Amen. Never honored in his hometown because they always remember your mistakes, right? When I was youth pastor in Kenosha, Wisconsin, I'll never forget this, Molly, true story. I was youth pastor in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's my territory, right? Racine, Kenosha, Illinois, you know, Milwaukee, all those areas were my territory, right? And anyways, we were walking into a Chinese restaurant with my staff. It was my senior pastor, me, my whole staff. And at that time, I believe it was 11 people on staff, so 11 of us walking into this Chinese restaurant. Well, as we were walking in, one of my BC friends starts walking out the door, right? And I see him and say, hey, what's up, Dickie? Hey, Johns, what's happening? And guess what he started doing? Hey, Johns, man, are you still getting high, man? Let's go get drunk, man. You remember those days, man? Hey, we got a party tonight. You coming with me, man? Come on, Johns. What happened to you? You fell off the map. I don't see you anymore. Man, I missed that party with you. What's going on? My senior pastor. <laughs> man, you should have seen him. He looked like a deer in headlights. I kid you not, right? So guess what the topic of the conversation was? It wasn't the fortune cookie. It was me. Hey, Johns, man, we got to go party tonight. Hey! My senior pastor was cracking up. And I said, Pastor, I said, Pastor Houston, I said, that was my BC days. You know, your hometown would always remember your faults, right? They always remind, remember your past, what you used to be like. Well, here's Jesus in his hometown. Here's Jesus, and look at what it says in Matthew 13. He says, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in the synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Now watch this. I love this. Isn't this the carpenter's son? In other words, they started degrading him. Man, he's a carpenter's son. Man, he's nothing special. Isn't this his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? In other words, they started, man, getting jealous. They started getting envious about who is this guy? He's one of us. His family's no different from us. They're just ordinary people, blue-collar people like us. Who does he think he is? So look at what happened. It didn't stop there. And they took offense at him. In other words, they got mad. They got upset. They got angered at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and his own, in his own home. And he did, and he, and he did not do many miracles because, because of their lack of faith. In other words, what happened, it shut them down. But you notice what happened? They got offended. They got offended. And if you look at your notes, offense or offense means this. Angered. They got angered at him. They got angry at Jesus. They got displeased. They got jealous or wrongdoing towards Jesus. Now, let me ask you something. In our lives, I talked about making decisions. You have a choice. This is the day the Lord has made. I have a choice to rejoice, right? 
But you also have a choice to be people of being unoffendable. Do you hear what I said? Unoffendable. We need to be like rhinos, tough skin. Unoffendable. That people are going to say things to you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to judge you. They're going to put you down. But you have a choice. Either I'm going to be offended, which means angered, displeased, jealous, or wrongdoing. I have a decision. I'm going to let that in. You see, the Bible says that you are the gatekeeper of what you let into your temple, what you let in and what you let out. The Bible also says a little bit of yeast works through a whole batch of dough. So if a little bit of yeast gets in you, which is poison, if you allow that offense to get in you, what it will do, it will destroy you. So here's what happens. Look, at I love this. One of Satan's biggest traps is to make Christians get offended towards each other. Somebody say amen. We get offended towards each other. We get mad at each other. Some of you might be sitting over here because that person sits over there, and I don't want to be sitting by that person. Or I'm coming to the first service because they come to the second service. And we allow offenses to destroy us or to take our joy from us or our zeal or our passion from us. So look at this. He says, towards each other so that we will be angry with each other instead of being united together. Because where two or three agree, there he is. Where two or three agree, it shall be done. Where two or three are together, God comes. There's power in agreement. So what does the enemy want to do? He wants to disrupt you. He wants to disrupt your relationships, whether it be with your spouse, whether it be with your children, whether it be with your co-workers, whether it be with your boss, whatever the case may be in relationships, what he wants you to do, he wants you to wear the badge of offense. I'm offended. Don't come near me. Mm, you mess with me. You mess with fire. You mess with fire. Shh, you're going to get burnt. And what happens is we take on this offense like it's a badge. And I've always said this, bitterness doesn't hurt the one who causes it as much as it does the one who harbors it. Some of you are holding on to offenses or bitterness towards someone that done something to you maybe many, many years ago, and that person that offended you has gone on in life, but yet you're caught neutral and in part because you're holding on to that offense that he did this and she did that, and it's killing you from the blessings that God has for your life. And the enemy loves to do that. He loves to get you mad at each other. He wants to destroy relations. Have you ever noticed why John 10.10 says the devil comes to kill, rob, and destroy? Anything that's good, he wants opposite. He wants bad. He wants to uproot you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to bring displeasure to you. He wants to bring despair to you. That's what his whole mission of life is. But Jesus, on the second part of that verse, I come to give you life, and life more abundantly. So what does the enemy do? He wants to bring offense. He wants to bring these things that you maybe have anger towards someone. You know why? Because it's a ripping away. 
It's a separation from a unity for a relationship. And where two or three are gathered, there he is. Pity the man who doesn't have a friend to pick him up when he falls. Why? Because God saw the power in numbers. And the enemy wants to divide the camp. He wants to divide relationships. He wants to separate and he wants to destroy. Because why? There's strength in numbers. And he wants to get you isolated. So when you're isolated, that's when he's going to pounce on you. Somebody say amen. amen. Right? So listen, Satan loves to use words against Christians. Amen? Making us believe that something that maybe wasn't even said. Come on. How many times do we as Christians make a commercial into a motion picture? Amen. <laughs> Come on. Man, you got the title? You got even the extras from the motion picture. Man, you spliced it, diced it, put it together, all kinds of things. And man, you got another, the sequel to the motion picture. Right? Because we allowed it to continue to go on and it's destroying us even by things that weren't said. Man, we allowed our imagination to take over and we made something out of an anthill into a mountain. And you ever wonder why God said, Satan, this mountain be cast into the sea? What is the mountain? Maybe it's a mountain that you created. Because you blew it so out of proportion. You see, I love the story, and I'm not going to go there, but write this down, Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28 in Matthew 15. I love the story. It's a mother that went to Jesus. It's a mother that went to Jesus. Her daughter was demon-possessed and so on and so forth. But she went to Jesus in verse 23, and she was telling Jesus all about her problems. Can you help me with my daughter? She's throwing herself in all this. She's under possession and all this stuff. But while she was saying this, now get this. Why she was saying this, let me ask you something. If you're talking to somebody and they're just avoiding you and not responding to you, what would you do? Won't you get offended? Man, well, I'm talking to you. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Man, respond. Eye contact. You know, what's going on? Right? Won't you get offended by that? But in verse 23 of that, just listen to what Jesus said. He didn't say a word. The lady, because I'm pouring out my heart to you. You're the creator, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the mighty God. I mean, I'm pouring my heart to you and you're blowing me off. But that lady made a choice. And the choice was not to run away and hide. The next thing, you know what she did? Instead of getting offended, she now got on her knees and said, hey, Lord, help me. And then Jesus says, man, I don't cast my crumbs before the dogs. And she said, you're right. But my daughter's in need. She could have said, are you calling my daughter a dog? What are you, you, you calling my daughter a dog? What, are you, what, she, what? But she chose the high road. In life, there's going to be three different roads that you're going to have to take. The low road is treating someone worse than they treat you. The middle road is treating the person the same way they treat you. Or the high road is treating the person better than the way they treat you. That's the roads that you're going to face in your life every time. And you've ever noticed three roads is like a fork. You can put a fork in somebody in the good road, the bad road, or the low road. It's up to you. Put a fork in it. And I choose to take the high road. Amen? Amen. So he says, listen, don't be offended. Listen, people often get offended by being jealous or envious of someone. And out of jealousy, they get upset or angry, or mad at you. Go ahead, Andrew. I'm going to give you some hope, amen? Let me tell you something. Offended. 
Are you offended? So many times we get so easily offended. We have to be a church that's unoffendable. You have to be a person that's unoffendable. Some time ago, and I, I, I feel for young people. I really do. I love young people. I love youth. I was a youth pastor. I love them, Chris. I really do. I really do. But I remember when my kids were growing up, the peer pressure that kids face. I mean, seriously. I, and we were, man, just starting out in the church as senior pastors, and we started this church with 26 people, and the secretary was making more money than I was. And man, I, I didn't have man, money. Matter of fact, Cheryl and I took out a loan to keep the church open. And we're paying out a loan that the church couldn't pay. So we didn't have money. Bob, we really didn't. But my daughter was coming home every day from school, always persecuted, always being ridiculed. And you know what it was? It was over a certain fashion that my daughter wasn't wearing lucky jeans. She was wearing Kmart, Walmart, even JCPenney jeans instead of the lucky jeans. So, you know, one day, my daughter, she had a great friend. Man, we really loved this girl. And so sometime ago, my daughter came home, and my wife and I went to the store. We went to the buckle. How many ever heard of the buckle before, right? And we've had a windfall that came in. Somebody blessed Cheryl and I. To be honest with you, ever see that, that truck moving company, uh, two men in a truck? It's a moving company, two men in a truck? Well, they went to our church in Grand Junction, the people there. They went to our church. And they felt compelled to bless my wife and I. So instead of taking it for paying bills or doing something else with it, we went to the buckle and used that money to buy my daughter two pairs of lucky jeans and a lucky skirt. Man, lucky skirt. Check it out. And you know what? My daughter came home from school, and we wrapped every gift up individually just like it was Christmas. And she came home, Ethan, with her best friend. I'll never forget this. Never forget this. She came home with her best friend. My daughter came in. We presented her the first gift. My daughter had opened it up, and she got excited. Lucky jeans. It has a little lucky thing on the, you know, the waistband and all that kind of stuff. She was all excited. Then we gave her the second gift. She opened up the jeans. I mean, the, the skirt. Whoa! And the, all the time that she was opening these gifts, that girl, you could see the temperature rising in that girl. The time she opened the third gift, the second pair of jeans, you know what that girl did? Who was my daughter's best friend. She got so offended and so jealous that the third time when she opened up the second pair of jeans, she stormed out of the house and she broke off the relationship or the friendship with my daughter and never came back in our house again. True story. True story. But sometimes we allow offenses to get in us. Like I need them before. People, when we get offended, we must choose our steps in which we are going to take. If we allow offense to become a part of your heart and life, it will destroy you from the inside out. It will destroy your sensitivity, your love, your feelings, your emotions. Ever had this happen before? Your, your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter come home, whether it be from school or work, and you're looking at you, what's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. Well, I can tell there's something wrong. No, there ain't. And you keep prodding. Well, tell me what's wrong. There ain't nothing wrong. And before you know it, boom, there it is. There it is. Right? The reason why is maybe they got offended and they got hurt. They got rejected or talked about. And you know what offense does? It not only just kills you 
emotionally, spiritually, physically. It doesn't just kill your joy, your peace, because that's what offense does. It takes away peace and joy out of your life. But you know what it does? It also affects the people around you. Your husband or your wife, your son or your daughter. And we take the offense and we wear it and we get on other people. And one of the tragedies that the enemy loves to do is bring offense. I'm moving quickly. We cannot have a negative mouth and expect a positive life. How many know that's true? What you sow is what you reap. You can't expect that. If you allow offense to stay, it will grow like a weed and destroy your harvest. You cannot afford it because offense is expensive. The price is too high. Just ask Samson. Sin took him further than he wanted to go, and it cost him more than he wanted to pay. All because of an offense. It will take you further than you want to go, and it'll make you pay more than you want to pay. Everybody's looking for the sale. Why do you think stores put out sale? Even though it's not on sale, they put sale out there to get your attention to think it's sale and that you got a good idea or you got a good price. So they make you buy it. That's what consumers does. I'm going to move quickly. So many times we allow offense to steal our victory or our blessings. Forget how others may offend you and move towards your blessing and your goodness. So I close with this. Questions you ask yourself. Did I take what they said wrong? Did I take what they said wrong? What I mean by that, sometimes, sometimes, Randy, what happens is we got our radio stations tuned in. I've got to get this. Got to get this. Please hear your pastor. Sometimes, Rachel, we got our ears tuned in to the station of negativity. And all we hear is this, the negative thing instead of the whole picture. Why do you think when before they prelude or before they introduce a new movie, they always show you clips to get your curiosity up? And sometimes that's what we do. We get clips of what people are saying and we focus in on the negative. Did I take what they said wrong? Number two, am I being oversensitive? Number three, is it worth getting upset and offended about? Is it really worth it? Is it really worth losing your joy, losing sleep at night, shaking your fists and being mad at the world? You see, the Bible says that joy unspeakable and full of glory. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, Philippians 4.4. That's what God wants you to do. Is it really worth it? We need to be a people of being unoffendable. Unoffendable when people come against us. Hey, you're not going to offend me. You talk about me, I'm going to talk about you down on my knees. Do you treasure my blessings over the enemy's mess? Amen. So today, I'm going to ask transitions real quick, and we're going to close. But today, I, I know we saw it on the screen, but I want to introduce for those that weren't at the meeting on Wednesday, this is our new children's pastor, and so we're so excited about having Katie, Katie here. And so, praise God, she's with us now. She's in the office from Sunday through Thursday, so if you want to get a hold of her, she's here. But Katie, greet them, will you? Yes, you guys, I'm so excited to be here. You have no idea. Um, I just love your children, and I love kids. And it's exciting for me to be able to just kind of step into what God has called me to in the last few years. I've been kind of going to school for this, so now being able to step into my calling has been really fun. And, you know, just being able to be up there with your kids and giving them an atmosphere where they can come in and actually learn about God. And what a lot of people think is that when you're in kids' church, 
people, like the adults, always just assume that maybe we're just babysitting up there. But I want to say that we're not. That we're not just watching your kids. They're not just playing and having a good time with their friends. But we're actually discipling them and we're mentoring them to grow a relationship with God and to love God and to have that foundation so that when they get into high school and they go to the high schools, those high schools would be transformed because of what God is doing in their lives when they're little. And so it's super exciting for me to be able to be a part of that. And if you guys want to be a part of that, we really need some help. So uh, there was a slip in your bulletin. Just pray about it. And man, we would love for you to join our team if you would like to. But Amen. Isn't it awesome? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Will you stand with me now? Let's pray over her and we're going to close in prayer. But we're going to pray over her and Praise God. Father, I thank you for Katie. I thank you for bringing this blessing our way. What a blessing she is to Cheryl and I and to our staff, but what also a blessing she is to our young kids, Lord, and to the many families here. We pray, God, that you will use her, that you will bless her, anoint her, God, that she will be an inspiration, a gift to our kids as well as she is to us. Bless her and be with her. You give her all the things that she may need to bring this kids' ministry to a place, God, like never before. We thank you, Father, for her in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, let me do you a favor. I want to pray over you today. He that the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm going to pray over you today because I want you to walk out of here today, Michael, free. I want you to carry no anchor, no weight, no discouragement, no defeat. Shake it off. Paul says when he put his hand in the fire on you, when he put his hand in the wood, and the snake got a hold of him and axe, you know what he did? The Bible said, Scott, he shook it off. He could have allowed that snake to hold on to him, the venom to get into him, kill him. But the Bible said, Jamie, he shook it off. And sometimes you just have to shake it off. You just have to shake it off. Like water off a duck's back. Is it worth it? Father, I praise you. I thank you for every individual here today. And I pray in the name of Jesus, that God, that you will set the captives free. Lord, if we're carrying offenses, Lord, unforgiveness in our heart towards someone or somebody, that God would choose to let it go. That we are a church that's unoffendable. We're not going to allow our friends, our relatives, our family members, or anyone to put us down and to offend us, to get us upset, mad, and take our joy and our peace away from us. Today we make a choice, as Paul did, to shake it off. So, Father, I thank you for every individual. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you all leave, um, I'm telling you, I know God is good. God is great. He's wonderful. And I just want to say in front of all of you, Friday is your birthday, babe. Have a great birthday this week, okay? So just think of him on Friday. It's his birthday. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. Go Vikings, go, right? God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.